verse 1 through 14. This is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. Verse 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, or wrapped him in cloths, and lied him, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. In the region, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we come before you in the name of your Son and in the strength and power of your Spirit. And we do pray that this morning that we would be led to sing along with the angels, glory to God in the highest, that as this season of Christmas is quickly approaching, that the many things, Lord, that are placed in front of our eyes to distract us from the real reason for why we worship, the real reason for why we celebrate. Lord, we pray that our minds and our eyes would be once again fixed on Christ as we consider your Christ and your word. We we ask this for your glory and for the good of your people in Christ, and we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as we said in our prayer, the celebration of Christmas is now quickly approaching us in just a few days' time. Lord willing, our shopping is all done. Lord willing, there will be no more need for running out into the the craziness of the the world uh, to get that last-minute present. But with Christmas so quickly approaching... I thought it would be a, a good and appropriate time for us to take a brief pause from our study through the book of Genesis to consider with you the real meaning of Christmas. Brothers and sisters, I wonder what 
your answer or what will be your answer, what would be your answer or what will be your answer when you are asked this year or at least sometime in the future, what is the meaning of it all? What is the meaning of Christmas? What would your answer be? This could be for young, for old. Will your answer be, we are celebrating family. Christmas is the time for family to come together and to celebrate family. Or will your answer be, we are celebrating you, little one. You. You've been nice all year. And now you will be rewarded because of your niceness, because of your goodness. You'll be rewarded by a jolly man who gives good things to those who are good. What will be your answer? And if that is your answer, let us be quick to teach our children. But God is not like that. God does not save you because you're good or because you're nice. Again, I pose the question. What is and what will be your answer when you are asked? What is the meaning of Christmas? Today, we shall seek to discover the answer To that question from the only source that answers questions infallibly. That is the only certain rule of faith and obedience. God's holy inspired word. And for the the answer we turn to the second chapter of the book of Luke. To discover the answer to the meaning of Christmas. And Lord willing to reset our minds during this season. To once again focus on the true meaning of Christmas. This morning with God's help we shall consider Just three points. Number one, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Verse 8, let's read this again. 8 through 14. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. As Mary, the mother of Jesus, gave birth to the son of God incarnate, an angel of the Lord appears to shepherds who are tending their flock by night. Brothers and sisters, how does that strike you when this is read in your hearing? Take a moment. Does that sound strange to you at all? I think for most of us, we are generally unmoved by this passage. And I think because of our familiarity with this passage. I think that our problem is that we are too familiar with this scene. Movies have depicted this drama 
of the birth of Christ. And we we have heard all of the story, the wonderful story of the wise Magi. We know of the story of King Herod. We even know of the story of the animals. They've even made the animals a great fixture in this great scene of the birth of Christ. But the world has done what God has not done. And that is, God has not excluded lowly shepherds from this heavenly scene. We can so easily read through this scene of the nativity and miss the wonder of the mercy of God to the lowly and outcast shepherds who are tending their flocks in the fields, tending their sheep. Think of it. An angel of the Lord, one who serves in the presence of the Lord, has been sent by the Lord to announce the birth of the Son of God in the flesh. He did not send this mighty angel to princes to make this announcement. The Lord God did not send this mighty angel to the chief priest of that day to make this glorious announcement. The Lord God did not even send this angel to learned men, but to announce the coming of the Son of God incarnate. The Lord God sends an angel to the lowest class of people at that time. Shepherds tending their flocks in the fields. Shepherds were a despised class. They were a a despised people because of their occupation. Their occupation uh, did not allow them to fully keep the ceremonial law due to the fact that they needed to be with their sheep. So they could not get to the temple to perform all of the ceremonial regulations of the law. So they were looked down upon. They were looked down upon so much that their witness could not hold up or be accepted in a court of law. And yet, it was to such men, to the weak, to the poor, to the outcast, that God sent His angel, and we will see, and the heavenly host to announce the arrival of the Son of God in the flesh. It was to these lowly shepherds who would serve. Think about this. These lowly shepherds would serve as the first evangelists. The first evangelists of the good news that the Savior has come into the world. And now we must ask the question, why? Why these men? Why this class of outcasts? And the answer is because they would characterize those for whom Christ had come in the world to draw unto himself and to save. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who see and have been brought to see their great need for Christ. Those who have been brought to see their absolute poverty of their soul and their desperate need for a savior. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. The Lord has come in poverty to make those who recognize their poverty rich in Him. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by, so that you, by His poverty 
might become rich. The Lord came to these shepherds to announce the true shepherd was born. And the scriptures then say that the glory of the Lord shone around them. If you can imagine the scene, these shepherds in an open field. And an angel appears to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were not just frightened, terribly frightened. Terribly frightened. And they had every reason to be terribly frightened. If you've ever seen an angel, more than likely, every appearance that we see in Scripture is first fear. First fear. And these angels, these shepherds were terribly frightened. There they were, if you can imagine, in their regular routine, in the middle of a field, watching their sheep. Listen to what they're doing. Graze and sleep. Graze. And sleep. Imagine that's your that's your daily routine. That has been the daily routine, not only for you, who is a shepherd, but also for those who have come before you for hundreds of years. Nothing ever happens to the shepherds, right? Nothing spectacular ever happens to the shepherds. I presume the most thrilling thing that may have ever happened to them was maybe chasing away a a predator who sought to devour or injure one of the sheep. And then in the middle of the night, out of nowhere, history tells us an angel of the Lord appears out of nowhere. And the glory of the Lord shines around them. They were afraid. Terribly afraid. But the angel of the Lord assures them that his appearance was not to announce doom, but it was to announce joy. He said, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. And what was that good news? Verse 11. For today, listen to the specific language. In the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel announces that today, in the prophesied city of David, he he gets specific, in the prophesied city of David, that is, in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, which the Lord has promised out of you, Bethlehem, though you are small and though you are small and weak, out of you shall come one who will save. The Savior is born, the angel declares. An angel, the angel has declared simply this. God has kept his promise. An angel has come to the shepherds and declared this. God has kept his promise. What promise? What promise? The angel, you notice, he does not waste his words. In the city of David, one is born to you, a savior. The one whom you have been waiting for. The one whom God has promised. The one who will save that one has come. When man fell in the Garden of Eden, the Lord God did not leave man in the estate of sin and misery but promised that a redeemer would come and crush the head of the serpent and liberate all of his people who were bound by sin. The Lord God has kept his promise, providing and appointing a savior from all eternity. He is God and he is man. He is the savior. He is the savior from the world. He is the savior from the flesh. He is the savior from the devil. He is the savior from the penalty of sin which is the very righteous judgment of God. 
today. Born in this city of David. Born in Bethlehem as was foretold by God's prophets. Is born one who was able to save to the uttermost. The angel declares he is Christ the Lord. Christ. Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah promised in the garden. And prophesied by God's appointed men. Who were given the task to point his people to his coming year after year and century after century. He is the anointed Lord of glory. He is our prophet. He is our priest. He is our king. He is the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord of all creation, the Lord of angels, good and bad. He is the Lord of men. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. The angel then tells them, go, go find the savior. Go find this Christ. Go find this Lord. And if you can imagine the shepherds searching, if you can imagine the 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 announcement given to the shepherds, the one you have been waiting for, he is born. Go find him. And, and if you can imagine them saying, how will we know? How will we know who this one is? This one who has been born to us, the angel tells them, this will be the sign for you. Verse 12, you will find a baby. Here's how you can find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I think movies have done a historically inaccurate job of explaining to us swaddling, swaddling cloths and maybe not so bad with the manger. Babies at this time were wrapped tightly in cloths. I can remember when my son was a little one, uh, they would say, you need to swaddle him. I would swaddle him so tightly. He would be like in a cast. You are not moving. And at this time, in ignorance, babies were wrapped just as tightly as soon as they were born. Because it was believed that if babies were not wrapped tightly, that they would grow deformed. If you can imagine God the Son being wrapped so tightly in these cloths, almost as if he was mummified. And he would be lying in a manger. Do you know what a manger is? A manger is not a barn. A manger is a horse trough. It is a wooden box made from a tree that has been created so that horses, cattle may eat from that trough. Brothers and sisters, God the Son. Born in this lowly state. Being announced to lowly men that this is how you will find your savior, your redeemer, the one you have been waiting for. You will find him in this lowly state. Keep this in your mind. And at the announcement, at the announcement of of how you will find him. We will not go into them searching for him, but as they have been told, this is how you will find him. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. At the sound of the announcement that he has been born, the Bible says, suddenly, suddenly, out of, no, out of nowhere appears not one, but a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. We may have heard that phrase so much too, that we have been oversaturated with the idea of what it means. Brothers and sisters, What is a heavenly host? 
My dear brothers and sisters, heavenly host literally means heaven's army. All of heaven's army appears in the sky. Another translation for heaven's army is also heaven's militia. We know what we think of militias. Heaven's army appears in the sky. And it is those angels who have been created by God to serve God, to wait upon God, to give glory to God, to do his good pleasure. They appear not by the ones, not by the twos, not by the threes, but the scripture describes they appear in the multitude, the multitude, a multitude. That is to say that when the angel of the Lord made this glorious announcement, he is born. The angels could not contain their praise and they appear by the tens of thousands or by the ten thousands, by ten thousands. The heavens army, army of heaven appears in the sky and burst into a hymn of praise to God. And if we can imagine the sound of ten thousand times ten thousand angels singing Glory to God in the highest. We love the O Holy Night song, don't we not? We love the part where we, where, where we sing, fall on your knees. And if it sounds glorious from the lips of men, can you imagine the sound of 10,000 angels times 10,000 angels singing glory to God in the highest? They sang glory to God. Peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. Can you fathom? Can I, we fathom the sound? It would have been as if the sky was literally filled with angels who could not contain themselves but gathered to sing praise and glory to God at the announcement of the Son of God incarnate. Brothers and sisters, take that in. Pause there. Pause at the sound of angels times angels times angels singing. And then include this with yourself. Include this in your mind's eye. You will one day join that chorus. You will one day join that chorus. And your voice will not sound as it sounds today. To God be the glory. It will sound as heavenly as those angels who gather to sing praise and who gather around his throne day and night singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We will join that heavenly chorus. And brothers and sisters, we don't have to wait. We can begin now. Glory to God in the highest. The darkness which has covered the earth for 4,000 years was about to be rolled away. The head of the serpent was about to be crushed. Liberty was about to be proclaimed to the captives. Sight was going to be given to the blind. The mighty truth was about to be proclaimed that God could be just and yet for Christ's sake also justify the ungodly. Salvation was no longer going to be seen through types and shadows, but now openly face to face in the Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge of God would no longer be confined to the Jews but now would be offered to the entire world. Brothers and sisters, think about this. The angels sang this praise. Not men. What's the point? 
Angels never sinned. They were in no need of a savior. They did not need the atoning blood of Christ. Men need a savior. Men need the blood of the righteous one, not angels. And yet the first hymn of praise at the announcement of the birth of the son of God was not from the lips of men, but from the lips of angels. What good and faithful servants these angels are. All that their master does pleases and interests them. They know the misery of sin in creation. They, and they know the blessedness of heaven. And what great compassion they feel for men. And what great wonder they have for God. That they sang and would sing in response to what God has done for men. They, the Bible says they, they literally peer and look over at what is taking place. And they give glory to God at his mighty works in spite of the wickedness of this world. They rejoice at the fact that God has sent his son to save souls. To pluck many brands from the burning fire, if you will. Glory to God in the highest. And this hymn of praise that we are given or seen by the angels is the first reason why we celebrate Christmas. It is for the glory of God. It is the first impulse of any and every life that has been saved by Jesus Christ to proclaim glory to God in the highest. Are you saved? Have you trusted in Christ? Then your song, the song of your heart, should also be glory to God in the highest. I was I was once lost, but now I am found. I was once dead, but now I am alive. I was once cut off, but now by the mercy of God, I am brought near as a child of God. Glory to God in the highest. What does Mary sing after the angel comes to her? She sings, my soul glorifies the Lord. What does Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, say when he is visited by the angel? Praise be to God. What do the shepherds do when they are given this announcement and, and, and given the privilege of hearing and seeing this wonderful sight? They returned glorifying God. And the book of Revelation has a picture when the people of God are gathered around the throne of God. And what do they say? What will we say? Not they. What will we say? We will sing. Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and praise and honor. That will be your song. God, what do you have planned for my life? If you believe in him, this is your plan or his plan for your life. You will one day gather around his throne and you will one day sing with saints ancient and of old and today. Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and praise and honor. This is what Christmas is all about. It is recognizing and actively giving glory to God because all that we are, all that we presently have, and all that is ours to come is because unto us a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Pastor, could you summarize that point very simply? Yes, I could. Christmas is all about the glory of God. Number two, the angels sing peace on earth 
among men. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men. God's heavenly angels sing a hymn of praise declaring peace on earth among men. This may have seemed strange. It may have seemed strange to those first ears who heard the declaration of peace on earth. For they were living under Roman rule and under Roman oppression. They were living at a time when Jerusalem was under Roman occupation. Jerusalem was essentially a police state. And yet the angels declared, listen, as a word from God. Peace on earth among men. What is the meaning of this outburst of praise by the angels? Well, let me say to you that they were they were not haphazardly speaking. Meaning this, they were not making untrue statements. The angels were not misspeaking as some do when they burst into praises. Where they burst into a praise and you automatically don't know what you're saying and you happen to say things heretically wrong or incorrectly because you're just out of control. Brothers and sisters, that's not true praise. That is not true praise. True praise doesn't proclaim heresy or falsehood. Let that be a reminder to you when you hear of other churches say, we had a praise, we praised, and contained within the so-called praise was heresy. That's not true praise. The angels ever lived to serve the Lord God and to proclaim his mighty deeds in heaven and on earth. So when they proclaim peace, they are proclaiming what God has proclaimed. When they say peace on earth among men, they are, as it were, telling you what God has said. Let us first consider then what peace this did not mean. It first did not mean that all wars, all violence and strife that mankind wages against mankind would immediately come to an end. How do we know that? We know this because wars, violence, and strife, abuse have continued from that heavenly announcement of the heavenly host to this very day. The Lord Jesus even taught now, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. Imagine that. The Lord Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. And the the angels are saying, peace on earth among men. What's happening? The Lord Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will now be the members of his own household. So then what in the world are these angels announcing? The Lord Jesus did not come to deliver the world from political wars or the armies of nations to cause them to stop their fighting one against another. He's not even come to make entire households more loving and more closer. Quite the opposite, exactly. The truth is this. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will be and has been 
an instrument that divides. Some will love him and some will not. And this will cause great strife between nations all the way down to individual homes. The Lord Jesus made it very clear. He has not come so that there may be peace between man and man. But the angels announced that peace was among men. Specific language. Very specific language. So then what on earth is the meaning of this pronouncement? The scriptures answer the question for us. The apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace. Peace among men? Yes. For the prophet Isaiah says, Unto us a child is born. To us a son has been given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince. Of peace. Peace among men. Yes. For he is Emmanuel. God with us. Our peace. The very one who the author of peace. He's the very one who is the author of peace. Was now graciously. Listen. Among men. Not peace. Between men. But peace now resides among men. The very one who is peace is now on earth. The only one who could take sinful man and reconcile him unto holy God was now among men. He is the author of peace between God and elect sinners who through the fall are by birth at birth at enmity against God. He is the author of peace between Jew and Gentile. Abrogating, doing away with the ceremonial law, which was the cause of division. Christ is the author of peace, and he is the only true source of peace and real prosperity. Both internal prosperity and external prosperity through faith in him. The peace celebrated by the angels is the peace that brings sinners who were at enmity with God into a peaceable relationship with their creator. The great peace that the Lord Jesus Christ came to establish was between God the creator and his rebellious creation. Brothers and sisters, young people, old people, the greatest need of your and my life The greatest need of every person who breathes on this earth is to know that the God of all creation, listen to me closely, that the God of all creation, the one whom we will all stand before one day, your greatest need, my greatest need is to know that he is not our enemy. The one who we will stand before one day and be judged by. Your and my greatest need is to know that he is not our enemy. But that he is for us. Our greatest need is to be assured that there is peace between you and him. That's our greatest need. 
Your greatest need is not who you will marry. Your greatest need is not what school you will go to. Your greatest need is not what kind of retirement you will have or what kind of physical condition you will end your life in. Your greatest need, my greatest need, is to know that there is peace between us and God. And you may sit here and say, I do have peace between me and my God. How in the world are you proclaiming with your life then glory to God in the highest? For that is what it's all about. What does Solomon say? I've been old. Oh, David said that. Solomon says, I've seen this. I've seen that. I've experienced this. I've experienced that. I've done everything there is to be done under the sun. And at the end of the day, here's what Solomon says. It's all vanity. It's all worthless. It's all chasing the wind. It's nothing. He comes to the end of his life. The richest man and most wisest man finally comes to his senses at the end of his life, understanding and knowing all of it was for nothing. All of it was a waste. The only thing that matters is giving glory to God. And how on earth for you and me who have been brought into a peaceable relationship with God, how are we proclaiming that with our lives? Because I can tell you it's here and then it's gone. I think of my father who lived Ten lifetimes in his life. And he's gone. It's over. And it wasn't until the end he realized it's just about giving glory to God. That's it. Do not leave this earth, I beg you. Do not leave this earth as God is your enemy, with God as your enemy. For his wrath is reserved for all of his enemies. The great problem that lies at the heart of this world is this. God is holy. That's all of the world's problem. Every man, woman, boy and girl born on this earth. Here's your greatest problem. God is holy. And you are not. And do not leave this earth In that guilty, sinless state. Or you will suffer God's wrath. So the question is, how can there be any reconciliation? How can there, how can there be peace? How can we escape this punishment that is laid up for the wicked? The only way that there can be peace is if we who have rebelled against God place our faith in Christ alone, who is peace. He has finished the work given to him by the Father. He has been a faithful son. The Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to man's greatest problem. For Christ has been righteous. Christ has been holy, perfect. And he is God's solution to man's unholiness. Man's inability to present perfect righteousness. Christ is that answer. He is the son of God incarnate. He is the Lord Jesus Christ who makes peace between God and man. Through his blood shed on Calvary when he was born, he was born helplessly or he was helplessly placed in this wooden object made from a tree. And to finish his work, he would once again be placed helplessly as he chose 
to be placed upon the tree, the cross, for our justification, becoming a curse for those who are cursed. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And through his substitutionary atonement, he has made peace between God and man. He would be born in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes, uh, mummified, if you will, lying in a manger. And he would soon be embalmed and wrapped in cloths again and laid in Joseph's tomb. But God would not allow his Holy One to see decay. The Spirit of God preserved the body of the Lord Jesus Christ so that it did not see decay. And on the third day, he rose from the dead for our justification. He died, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. The Lord brought upon him the iniquity of us all. The Lord Jesus stood in our place as our representative head to bear the condemnation that you and I deserve so that we might be brought to God. And that enmity with God, war with God, would be put away through the Son of God, absorbing the wrath of God. So that there might be peace between God and man. We could never do this for ourselves. We could never do this. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Only God could do this. When Paul finishes his explanation of the gospel, he says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. If we have peace with God, This Christmas you are blessed. And not just this Christmas. But every day, every waking moment, every day that the Lord gives you breath, you are blessed. Why? Because you have peace with God. Oh, the travails of this life. Oh, the miseries of this life. The disappointments and letdowns the tears that we shed and yet our heads can lay on our pillows night after night because we have peace with God and ultimately if God has given you peace no one can take that away no one can take that away he said my peace I give to you I do not give you peace like the world gives you peace Oh, and I can imagine the, the temporary pieces that we've been given by the world. Only for it to last but a moment and for us to say, where is the next? Where is the next? Where is the next? And I can tell you that we, because we are flesh and because we are blood, we will never be satisfied by the world's pieces. Only the peace of Christ will satisfy and be everlasting. Some of us need to stop running after it. You're not going to find it. Not in this world. Not in man or in the devices of man. But in the God-man. The Lord Jesus Christ. You could therefore leave this day and know that you were going to stand before not your enemy. But the one who is the lover of your soul who has brought you peace through Jesus Christ, if you repent and place your faith in him alone, you will stand justified, innocent before God because of the one born in a horse trough. 
Christ becomes our peace when we take shelter under his blood. When we, as it were, take the blood of a lamb and place it above our doorpost, the doorpost of our lives. Turn to Christ. Trust in him alone and you will have peace with God. To say it very simply, Pastor, could you summarize the second point? Yes, I can. Christmas is all about Christ, who is our peace. For he made peace between us and God. The angels celebrated at first, that first Christmas, glorifying God for peace was among men. And finally, in closing, number three, with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The end of the hymn of the angels literally means on whom his favor rests. We can hear the pronouncement. uh, It's to all men. And the angels get specific. It's for those whom God's favor rests. Literally to those whom he has chosen to give grace. Glory to God in the highest peace among men. And this peace is for those whom God has chosen to freely give his peace to. This peace is for those who God has so sovereignly chosen to set his love upon before the foundation of the world. The Lord Jesus said, you did not choose me. And I love the pause or the comma there. For the disciples must have thought, well, I, I obviously came. I, I, I came to you, did I not? I, I was here. And Jesus follows, I chose you. You and I have come to Christ. But we have only chosen to come to Christ because Christ has first chosen for us to come to him. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. The song of the angels reminds us that we are helpless. That we need to cast ourselves upon the divine mercy of God. And to conclude, how do you recognize those whom God's favor has rested upon? How do you know that you've received the grace of God? How do you know that you've been chosen by God? Whoever they are and whoever you are, We have this in common. We have fled to Jesus Christ for safety. How do you know that you've been chosen by God? We have fled to the only one who can save our souls. We have seen our lostness before God. And we have received God's offer of peace in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been given to us and we have said, yes, yes, I will take it. And why do we take it? Because God has ordained that we take it. God has ordained that the gospel would come to us, that our hearts would be taken from stone to flesh and that we would place our faith and repent of our sins in the one who is our peace. The great mark of God's good pleasure on any person is this. It's a heart delight of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, do you delight to worship God?
Are we here because of someone other than God? Are we worshiping this morning in this church, in the sound of this preaching? Because if we don't, we'll be in trouble. If that is first and foremost our reason, you've already violated the Sabbath. And your worship is unacceptable to God. Did you know that? If you're here because they made me. If you're here because if I'm not, they'll be disappointed. If, I, if you're here because if I don't, then maybe I won't earn my way. You've missed it. The great mark of God's good pleasure on any person is this. They have fled to Christ and they delight in worshiping God, Father, Son, and Spirit. You sit here and you say, no delight, no desire, no want to. That's a periodic experience for all of us who are sojourning through this world. But if it is your present and eternal and consistent stand, no delight, no desire, no want to, then turn to Christ before it's too late. Repent of your sin and receive the peace that God is offering through His Son. Christmas is a reminder that the glory is God's alone, that our great need is peace with God, and that those who have peace are those whom God's good pleasure rests upon. Brothers and sisters, I do hope and pray that you and your family have a blessed Christmas. I hope that the blessedness of it, of the wonder of it, is this, that God has sent his Son to rescue you from a lost eternity and that you worship him along with the heavenly host. Glory to God in the highest. Peace among men on whom his favor rests. Let us pray.